0: Hey, Pastor Shawn here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon as you've heard here on the campus. I welcome you, but I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so, uh, if this, Hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth, but I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, nine thirty, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. Above all Christ, that's what we've been talking about this summer, going through the letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a small church in the city of Colossae. So, we've been going through Colossians. So, if you have your Bible, turn with me, all right? Colossians chapter 2, and kind of meditating our way through this this summer. So, um, uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's probably one in a chair in front of you. And uh, if you don't own a Bible, do me a favor, take that one with you, okay? We'd love to have for you to have a copy of the Word of God, especially if you Commit to reading it regularly. I uh, I hope you had a great Fourth of July. In fact, I, I thought maybe would be it's it's maybe after the fact, but I, I still think it's probably worth doing. Um, you know, we're commanded in Romans thirteen to to pray for our leaders of our country, and uh, God has blessed us with a great country, and we enjoy many many freedoms. And there's uh, many men and women in the past who have made tremendous sacrifices for the freedoms that we have, and many that are serving now making personal sacrifices, of which I know those of us who are civilians are grateful. And uh, and so, following the commands of Scripture, let's pray. How about that? Let's open with prayer this morning, thank the Lord, and pray for our leaders of our government, okay? Uh, so, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to I want to thank you um, for this amazing country, and uh, just this week we got to um, celebrate uh, our freedom as a country, and, um, and Lord, uh, as the Scriptures teach us, with the freedom that we have in Christ, our freedom from sin, we know that freedom is never free. Our freedom from sin came at a cost to our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we know that… Uh, um, Freedom that we have in our country comes at a cost. We thank You for the men and women in the past who have served. We thank You for the men and women serving now. Uh, but Lord, we're commanded in Romans 13 to pray for our officials, that there, there's nobody in leadership that is not there apart from the will of God. And so, everyone in leadership is there because You put them there. And, uh, and so, Lord, we pray for our leaders. We pray for the ones that aren't yet Christians, that maybe they would be saved, God, that they would bow a knee to the Lordship of Christ. And we pray for wisdom and and knowledge and revelation from Your Word as, as the men and women that lead our country lead our country. And we pray… Uh, especially for what we usually consider the highest office, that of, pres- of president. God, we pray for our president. There's many, many moving parts, and it's a it's a complicated and and difficult world to give leadership in. And so we just pray that our president would have wisdom, and he would lead in such a way that honors you. And uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, do me a favor. Note sheet in your bulletin. Get it out. Follow along with me. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at two verses this morning. Uh, the brown house, that's my house, got a new puppy in the last couple of weeks. Check this out. I know, right? And isn't the puppy cute too? Oh, that… Anyway… So, uh, so we got this new puppy. His name's Reese, and uh, I've always been kind of a dog tolerator, but um, I'm smitten. I'll be honest with you, okay? He's got me. You had me at hello, and so um, that's where I am. But one of the things we've had to learn over the last week or two with this new puppy is uh he, he's small, he's about four and a half pounds, and he walks quietly through the house. He's hard to hear, and he loves to follow us closely. And so uh, and so there's times where we're heading into another room and he's right on our heels and we don't realize it, and you pivot to go to another room and you almost step on him or you trip over him. You, you could leave it up there, probably the whole service, honestly. No, I'm just kidding. No, put it down, I'm just kidding. No. And uh, and so we have to be careful we don't step on him. He's just so close behind our heels, right? And, and he he just wants to be with us. And 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 so this morning we're going to look at Colossians where Paul now makes this incredible transition. It's it's probably the so what of the entire letter. Uh, He's been building this case that Christ is above all. He's, He's the creator. He's the head of the church. He's the one that reconciles us back to our creator, God the Father, by shedding his blood and paying for our sins and rising again that we too may have the hope of eternal life. And now comes the great transition where Paul says, walk in him follow closely with Him the way my puppy is on our heels. We need to be following Christ as Christians, all right? So, check this out in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 and 7. Paul writes, therefore, remember whenever you're reading your Scriptures and you come across the word therefore, you need to ask the question, hmm, I wonder what it's what? What? Therefore, right? And so, because it's always a, it's kind of a so what statement. Therefore, so Paul builds this whole case. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, what's he say next, church? So what? Walk in Him, right? Rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in in thanksgiving. A couple points I want to pull out this morning that I hope encourage you and challenge you. Number one, Paul says, as you received. As you received. What did you receive? Well, he says, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, all right? Let's start with the word receive. It's the idea that we've accepted or believed The gospel, we've accepted or believed in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. It it literally is the idea of to take over or to take into fellowship that the gospel and Jesus is the center of our worldview. To be, If you're here this morning, then you're a Christian. That means you've received Christ, that you've believed in Christ, that He is the center of your being. He's the center of your mind. He's the center of your heart. He's the center of your emotions. All of your life is run through the grid of having accepted Christ Jesus the Lord. And Paul, by the way, is very specific about what we've accepted or what we've believed, okay? So, if you're here this morning, you are you say, yes, I'm a Christian, this is what you're believing. You're believing or receiving Christ Jesus, okay? Now, a lot of us get confused because you hear these names connected so closely, right? But Or whenever you see Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus, okay, the word Christ is not a name, the word Christ is a title. It's a, it's, a, it's a title. Jesus is the name of the Son of God, but, but Christ is the title. Christ is the idea of the, the anointed one. Christ is the idea of the Messiah. Christ is the idea of the special one sent from God, the Savior. All right? Christ is the one. He's the perfect Son of God who paid the debt of the sin of man. He's also 100% God, Christ, but he's also 100% man, so he perfectly identified with the human race. If you're here this morning and you're a Christian, then you have believed and you have accepted that Jesus rescued you from the penalty of your sin And He is the God-man, 100%. You understand there's a mystery around this, but you've received and believed that God rescued you by sending His Son, the Messiah, the Christ, Christ Jesus, the Anointed One. And the Colossians, they had received God's rescue plan. And if you're here this morning, you're a Christian, so have you. And so Paul says, as you've received... Christ Jesus, then he says what, church? He says the Lord, right? Now, what's the Lord? Well, the Lord is a positional word. It's a positional word. It, it, it means that Jesus is in his proper place in your life. It means that you have submitted your life to Jesus. He is your boss. He is in charge. You've submitted your ways. You've submitted to his leadership. You've submitted to his teaching. Listen, the Bible knows nothing of someone who claims to be a Christian and then continues to walk in unrighteousness and sin while loving it. I'm not saying we never struggle with sin, but it means as Christians we hate our sin because the Holy Spirit's in us and making us more like Christ. And so we hate our sin and we desire righteousness. But if you're here this morning and you've taken the title Christian upon you, but man, you're somehow still loving your sin, you have to evaluate, have you really accepted, have you really believed that Jesus is the Christ? Because if He's the Christ and you believe this and He's also Lord, and by the way, we don't make Him Lord, He is Lord. We just submit to his lordship. We acknowledge Jesus for who he already is. We bow a knee in worship to the Lord. And so Paul says, as you received Christ, the anointed one, Jesus, as Lord, now he says what? Walk in him. Grow in him. Follow closely the way a puppy follows on the heels of the master, right? the owner. Walk in him. And to walk in Him means that Christ establishes everything about your life. To walk in Christ means that, man, you're you're following so closely that you value what Jesus values. You no longer get to value what the world values, you value what Jesus values. You you submit your values to, to what the Word of God has taught us to value. To walk in Him means that Jesus establishes your thinking, that His Word is the grid through which you go through life and you you evaluate everything in your life through the Word of God, and He, Christ, gets to establish your thinking, and you have to ask yourself, and what i thinking, is it reflect the Word of God? And by the way, what is the mind of Christ? Well, Paul tells us in Philippians 2, right, where he says the mind of Christ. Philippians 2, verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for what, church? The interest of who? Man, how would that change your marriage, right? In the interest of others. And then he says, "Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus." he, He, Christ establishes our thinking when we walk with Him. We walk closely. He, Christ develops, and, and He establishes for us truth and righteousness. It's not something we get to make up on our own, right? If we're walking in Him. He defines for us righteousness. He defines for us truth. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's Any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, what should we be doing, church? Thinking on these things. Talking about our mind, man. What do we fixate our mind upon? The the, the word we use a lot in church life is the word to meditate, right? And that's when your mind thinks about over and over the words of God, the truths of God, the character of God, the things that we can rest in, the promises of God. And what happens is many of us, we begin to fixate on the things of the world and the hopes of the world or the discouragements of the world. And when we do that, okay, the opposite of meditating or thinking on things that are lovely and pure and excellent and praiseworthy and true, we begin to think about other things. You wanna know what we call that? And we think about something over and over and over? Worry. Right? And so we're worrying and worrying and worrying and worrying. There's a lot of us, man, that go through our lives, and it just seems like in our culture there's just this high elevation of anxiety, and, and I think a lot of that has to do is with this idea that we're not walking closely with Christ. And instead, our minds are wandering on all these worldly issues, and we think about them. We think about it. We maybe meditate on them, things that we shouldn't be meditating on over and over and over and over and over. And suddenly, man, we're just so filled with anxiety. And I think sometimes, not always, but sometimes the remedy is, man, take every thought captive, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 10, and think about things that are lovely and pure, and excellent and true. We do that, man. When we walk closely with Christ. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in him. Walk closely with him. Stay on his heels. Be in his word. Meditate on things that are lovely and pure and true. Listen, when we walk closely with Christ, he establishes our conduct. To walk closely in him is, is really, and, and this is really the emphasis of the word: is really ethical conduct. Jesus and His Word establish for us conduct. It's the overflow of believing Christ. It's how we live. It's holiness. It's righteousness. By the way, and and one of the things I, I, you know, you guys probably heard my teaching enough to know, man, I I get really spun up about the way that our cultural churches are moving. I, I the culture out there people that don't claim to be christians i don't re- like i expect non christians to act like non christians i say unbelievers are going to act like unbelievers what spins me up is when church people that claim the name of christ churches that Claim the name of Christ, begin to redefine what the scriptures call holy and righteous, or what the scriptures call sinful and unrighteous. And when churches begin to take what the scriptures called sin and they begin to say, No, no, it's no longer sin, it's okay. The reason I get spun up about that is because, listen, if we're taking what the scriptures is called sin and in and, and our human mind we declare it to be righteous good and true then what we're doing is we're instead of setting people free we're leaving them in bondage at the end of the day, it's not like I'm angry. I, I'm just I'm concerned that we somehow we, mankind, have set themselves over and above the word of God. Rather than submitting ourselves to the word of God, we've reversed the order, and now we're declaring what the heaven what the throne of God has declared unrighteous. We somehow, in our wisdom, have called it righteousness. And the Bible says listen, if you stay in sin, the wages of sin is what, church? It's death, right? But Jesus declared, You mean if you know the truth, the truth will do something for you. It'll do what? Set you free, right? And so, the reason I get so spun up about these things is because I want people to know the freedom of walking so closely to Christ… We walk in Christ. We know freedom, and He establishes our our conduct. And as a church, we have to offer the freedom of the gospel. We have to call sin what it is, and then we the gospel is you repent of sin and you believe in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And His good works are credited to us by grace through faith. And now, by the Holy Spirit living in us, we get to walk in that righteousness and know the freedom of the gospel. It's great news, right? And so Paul says, as you received. Christ Jesus is Lord, so walk in Him. And then he says, and be rooted and built up in Him. Be rooted and built up in Him. He uses both an agricultural term and a construction term, right? And so he says, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, verse 7 of Colossians chapter 2, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving. We're to be rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to be rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. In John chapter 4, when Jesus is talking to the woman in the well, he told her, he said, I'm living water. I'm living water. If you, if you drink from me, if, you'd me if, you, if you feast on the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll never be thirsty again. Paul gives an agricultural be rooted in Christ. I I can't help but wonder if the Apostle Paul didn't have Psalm one in mind. I don't know if you've ever read closely Psalm one, but the. The, the, the psalms were really the songbook of the people of Israel, right? So, when we put our songs up on the screen, when they would sing, they would they would they probably didn't have a, a book for everybody, right? But a lot of these psalms would be memorized by children. And so, Psalm 1 would be one certainly everyone in the Old Testament knew. And the, song, the writer of the psalm says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But what? His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law He meditates day and night. And so a person that meditates, whose mind is fixated on the the character and the truths of God, the psalmist says, he is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Listen, the reason that this, this tree planted by the stream is a fruit producer, the reason that its leaves never wither is because its roots go down to the living water, right? They're down by the stream, and so even in drought, man, they're being fed. They're, they're receiving the water, water from the stream. And listen, a believer's the same way. Like, we're fixated on Christ, and our roots go down into Christ. And even when we go through difficult times, we still produce fruit, spiritual fruit, right, that others can see Christ in us. Why? Because we're walking so closely to Him that our roots go down and tap into the one Jesus who said, man, I'm living water. And so a Christian spiritual nourishment comes from the roots of Believe, believing deeply in the person and the work of Christ. The second thing Paul says is the uh, so not only is a Christian rooted in Christ, he's built up in Christ, right? This is a construction term. He it's actually a foundational term. And I I don't know a ton about the construction, but I know a foundation's pretty important, right? Uh, anytime I've ever seen a building built, like, it seems like it takes forever to, to dig out the, the foundation. Like, man, you're digging the footers, it goes on and on and on, and then once the foundation is laid, man, it seems, sometimes it seems like the sticks go up right away, <laughs> you know, up comes the building, but a, a foundation is, is so important. And, and in fact, uh, you know, Jesus told the story, right, of two builders, he told this very story. He said there's two builders, right? One wanted to build his house quickly. He wanted an oceanfront view as quickly as he could get it, right? And so he built his house on what was his foundation? Anybody know the story what was the foundation he built on? He built on sand, right? And man, the house went up quick. And he had his oceanfront view until the weather got bad, right? And then what happened? This, this house fell apart. The other builder, man, he took the time… To hew out the foundation in a rock so that, the, that yes, he's gonna, he's gonna have an ocean front view, but he's gonna, he's gonna do it with delayed gratification. He's gonna, he's gonna put in the hard work that needs to be put in so that when he builds the house, it's something that will stand. And I could apply that in so many ways. Because we live in this, we live in this society where, man, I want it now. I want it immediate. And if you're here this morning and you're single and you're dating, let me tell you something. Scripture tells us if we're single that we are to reserve sex for marriage. And if you short circuit that, you're, you're, you're building on a foundation that's more sandy than solid, right? I want to encourage you, this next generation of young people, man, build the foundation on the rock, and it's more difficult, and it takes a little more time, and, and it's, it's counter-cultural. We can talk about finances, being generous. We could go on and on, because we live in a fast-paced society. I want it, and I want it now. You know, I, My computer, when I shut the lid, and then I open it in the morning, I get on the internet, I usually have to wait a good Fifteen seconds to get on the internet because I don't know it just has to warm. I hate that. I'm like, god it, we don't like to wait. You know, like what's taking so long? It's, it's, I'll just use my phone. It's faster, right? And so you know, uh, we just want it now. But man, sometimes that's the wrong foundation. And Jesus said as much in Luke chapter six, where He said, "Why do you call me?" And what's the word there, church? Lord, Lord, right? positional word. Paul said this, right? As you believed Him, as you received Him, Christ Jesus the Lord. Well, Jesus takes a little issue with the positional word. What's He say? Don't call me Lord, Lord, and then not do what I tell you. Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and what's next there, church, and does them I will show you what he's like. And he says, He's like the man building a house who dug deep, laid the foundation on the rock, and when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house. couldn't shake it. Why? Because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like the man who built a house on, a ground with a founda- on the ground without a foundation. And Matthew 7 says the same story where he says, Build on the sand. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of the house was great. So when Paul says, Man, we walk in Christ and we our roots sink down and we build on something solid, what he's talking about is that we are in the Word of God we hear the Word of God. So, that's the beginning step, right? So, be a regular in corporate worship, be in a small group where we unpack the Word of God together in community, right? Be in the Word each and every day. When I say take the Bible with you, if you don't have a Bible, take it, read it every single day, you know, and, 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 and hear the Word. That's step number one. But then we have to do the Word. We have to re- the, word, the, the gospel word is to repent. We're doing things our own way. We repent. We do what the word of God says. If you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you that does empower you to do the word. If there's something going on in your life that's habitual sin, and and you are growing to hate it, but, man, it's become an addiction for you, get some help. I mean, we have an addiction class. Let me know after the service, man. We'll steer you in the right direction. But, man, get the help that you need so that you can do the Word. We're going to talk about the benefit of that in just a moment because Paul talks about that. But, man, a house with a firm foundation is a house that's built to last, and it's hearing the Word doing the Word. We do that when we serve, and we live humbly, and we give generously, and we date with sexual purity, and we worship regularly, and when we completely rest in Christ alone. This is the foundation. It's on the rock And Paul's very clear. Jesus is clear. Paul is clear that a person who hears the Word and does the Word of God, this person that's walking in Him, Paul says, this establishes your faith, okay? The word establish here literally means to make your faith firm. So, how how does hearing the Word and doing the Word make your faith firm, let me illustrate this, okay? I think the best way is probably to illustrate it. I know many of you have done this, right? I, I can think back, and so, so when it comes to finances in, in the brown home, okay, um, one, of the, one of the things that we have a deep conviction, another teaching for another day, but, but we have a deep conviction. The Scriptures teach that, that a tithe, a tenth belongs to the Lord, and we believe it belongs to the local church, okay? And so we give a tenth of gross to the local church, gross income, all right? And then when um, we want to give to other things, missions or help feed children or, or whatever, that's over and above, right? We consider that over and above generosity. I know a lot of you all live that way, all right? And, and I look at Malachi 3.10 and, and and, and I know I have a lot of well-meaning Christians that take issue with me, like, oh, that's Old Testament out there. And I'm like, well, there's also blessing attached to that verse. Is the Old Testament part doesn't count for that either, you know. And Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe in the storehouse. And, and then the, and back in the verse says, see if I don't bless your socks off. Okay, essentially. It's the Sean Brown version. But, uh, you know, so, but that's essentially what it says. And I've just seen God do that over and over and over and over. And there's been times where, you know, through prayer and counsel with me and my wife, where we've given money where it's like, man, this is almost crazy to give this amount, you know. Like, maybe when we did the building fund here, you know, I've shared that personal story. But… Uh, And then, to watch the Lord provide my needs, and a lot of you all can attest to this, okay? So, what does that do with my faith? What's it do? It establishes my faith. Because I did what the Word said, and now I'm like, wow, God continues to provide. Wow, God's true to His promises, right? And so, then when we sing a praise song about God being true to His promises, guess what? It's, It's real to me. Because I had a check show up or a car show up when I, you know, things like this where it shows up and you're like, man, God knows my every need and He cares and He provides. And then when we sing these praise songs, it's got a whole new meaning. My faith is established, right? Right? some of you all experienced that, right? Or did you ever go? It's the Great Commission. It's the first word of the Great Commission. You're like, I don't know, Jesus. No, no, it's not Jesus, right? It's go, all right? Go. Did you ever go? Like, really go. Go where it was uncomfortable. Go on a missions trip. Go to a small group, Alright, We're getting ready in the fall. We'll launch our six-week small group. and challenge every single one of you to be in a small group. Some of you, for the first time, need to go. Just go. Can I tell you something? To tell you, I'm going to be really honest for a minute. Can I be really honest for a minute? My small group meets on Sunday nights. I'm an introvert. That means people drain me. Like people, but they drain me, okay? So that's what, and so, by Sunday afternoon, man, I'm, I'm pooped. And I used to, have to start getting, getting motivated about 4, 4.15 in the afternoon to go to my small group. And most Sundays, I'm like, oh, goodness, I'm so tired, you know. And I kind of drag myself to the small group. It's not that the people are terrible. I'm just tired. And every time I kind of drag myself there, and I leave that small group so full. So glad I went, man. It's just incredible. And the Lord used the community of other believers to encourage me or challenge me. And I just always leave so full. And by the way, do you know what's the root word of being a disciple? What's the root word of disciple? Anyone know? It's discipline, right? It means go. Get up. Have some spiritual discipline. Did you ever go? Did you ever go to a mission trip? Go to a small group? Go talk to a neighbor about Christ? And when you go, what happens? The Spirit of God shows up. God meets you in your going. And you're like, oh, wow, God, God is true to His promises. And the more you do this, the more you establish discipline, the more you go, the more you live according to the promises of God, it establishes your faith, yes? I mean, we see this in the Old Testament, right, with the people of Israel. When when they got backed up to the Red Sea, and the Egyptian army is coming down on them, right? And it looks like they're going to be devoured by the Egyptian army, and they're backed up to the Red Sea. And how did God part the Red Sea? Anybody know? Moses stuck his rod out, right? Parts the Red Sea, they go on dry land. Then they travel across the wilderness, and now they're under the leadership of Joshua, and they get to another sea, another bloated river called the Jordan River, and they're supposed to go in the promised land. Anybody remember how they crossed the Jordan, over the Jordan? What happened the next time? They had to go a little bit further. It was more than just the staff. What happened, happened next time? They had to put their feet in the water this time. Feet in the water, then the sea parts. Why? Because God is taking these people on this journey of establishing their faith, and it's the same thing with us. Paul says, man, when, you, when your roots sink down, you build on firm foundation, and when this happens, your faith continues to be established by listening to the Word and obeying the Word. And some of you are like, man, my faith is shaky and weak, and I'm going to tell you why. You're, you continually walk in disobedience to the Word of God. So yes, I believe, but man, there's these areas of my life that I just want to do it my way. And because of that, our faith isn't established, so let me encourage you to walk in obedience and so, Paul reiterates that our faith is encouraged, and it grows by being in the Word. In fact, he says this. He says, as you were taught, as you were taught. So, your faith is established as you were taught. It means you need to know the Word of God. You need to be in the Word. Your, your roots are not going to grow down. You're not going to build on a firm foundation if you're not in the Word of God. I'm, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but, man, I'd love to. I mean, how many of you read your Word at least a couple times a week, right? Don't show your hands. But man, I would encourage you to do that. Begin to establish this discipline, which you hear the Word, then you adjust in obedience to the Word, then your roots go down deep, and you're building on a firm foundation. Your faith is established, because that's what it means to walk in Christ, to follow like that puppy at the feet of Christ, going, man, I can't get enough, I can't get enough. And Paul finishes with this. He says, when we do that, we are abounding in thanksgiving, We're abounding in thanksgiving. Listen, a person with a renewed heart is a person with a thankful heart. A person with a… Christians of all people should be a people with a joyful song in their mouth, right? A Christian of all people should be a person that understands the overflow of of a heart fixated on Christ is that of thanksgiving. A heart captured by the gospel overflows with thanksgiving. A church community should be one of the most thankful places on planet earth, yes? Why? Because we've been captured by the gospel. Why should we be thankful? Because God sought us out and saved us and gave us eternal life. If that doesn't capture your heart and renew you with thanksgiving, I don't know what will, right? I was talking to someone a couple weeks ago. I said, hey, are you happy today? Yeah, I'm fine. Why? Well, you need to tell your face, okay? That's what I told this person. <laughs> someone I was close to, I could get away with it, okay? So, man, <laughs> anyway, like sometimes Christians look like the surliest people on earth, you know? Could be because we're not meditating on the gospel enough, right, man? We spend time thinking about how much the Lord loves us. We meditate on the gospel, and we become people that are thankful. I want to finish with this. We'll close with prayer this morning. I uh, when I was when we had kids, I I couldn't find the total illustration. Okay, so I'll I'll do my best to describe it. When my kids were young, we had a um, we had a travel high chair. Okay, so this was back in the day when you had to put the kids in the high chair. And um, and this high chair that we had was a plastic chair, okay, like this, and then it had straps that came out of the back, and it had straps that came under the chair, okay, and so it was it was intended to be used on another kitchen chair where you would take the strap that was out of the back, and you'd strap it on the back of the kitchen chair, and then you would strap it under the ch- the seat of the chair. So this high chair had a real firm foundation; it wasn't going anywhere. And I remember one day as I was reading the instructions. I don't know why I read the instructions this particular day, but I've read the instructions, and it said on the instructions that this travel hot chair was not to be used on a stool. (laughs) Like, really? Am I that much of an idiot? Like, I'm going to take my two-year-old and put him in a chair that maybe he could just kick himself off, right? You know? And, uh, man, anyway, we've I just think of Romans one. I'm Claiming to be wise, we become fools. Anyway, so yeah, um, we're just idiots, right? Like, okay, so I'm not going to put it on a stool, right? And 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 the point is, for this chair, for this, I, I wish I had it. We've thrown it out, uh, but for this chair to work, or given it away, for this chair to work, man, it had to be attached to something secure. You didn't, you didn't just place it on a stool and then place your precious child in the stool and hope it works out, right? You know, like, oh, they should be okay. I mean, you want to make sure they were tied. It was, this thing was strapped down to something secure so that the children were safe. Listen, many of us in this room, man, we, we live our lives without grounding our hopes and our futures in something secure. And we're to ground our hopes, we're to ground our lives in something that will last. And when you, when you don't ground your life in Christ, then your eternity is not secure, first of all. And to have a, a secure eternity means that you've accepted, you've received, you've been saved, you've received the gospel, you've believed that God loved you so much that He sent His Son as a rescue plan that He's the Christ, He's the anointed one, He's the Messiah, and you've received that and you've believed that so much that now you, you follow Him so closely. And if you haven't received that, if you haven't secured your future, man, what are you believing in, really? What are you hoping in? Your bank account? You put your, your whole life on a bank account on a stool not strapped down to anything, right? I I, I remember, man. I remember 2007. I remember 2008. I remember watching CNBC at night and and CNBC reporting that the U.S. economy had lost a trillion dollars in a day. That's a real thing, Man, is that where your hope is? Or my health, man. I just I'm gonna I'm gonna live on this earth as long as I can. I'm gonna eat right and I'm gonna exercise I'm not talking about me, but eat right and be healthy and you know, and, and I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, and you might eke out, you may eke out another decade by doing that. Right? But that's not eternal. circumstances, man, I'm just, you know, get a good job or get the right spouse or all the circumstances line up and we'll place it on this stool and, man, that's secure. None of that's secure. It's all short. It's temporary. Momentary, Paul calls it. Receive Christ. Receive Christ, the anointed one, God's rescue plan. And if that's you, if you have received Christ, then you should overflow with thanksgiving. Yes? Psalm 95 says, "Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Why? Because He's the rock of our salvation. Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving, and let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. And if you're here this morning, and you're, not, you're a Christian, and you're not, your mouth is not filled with songs of praise, you are meditating on the wrong stuff. Meditate on Christ, and the overflow of songs of praise. If you're here this morning, and you're not yet a Christian, And you're you're, you're hoping in something that will not last. So let me encourage you, make today the day. Make today the day. You say, you know what I receive? Jesus as the Christ. I submit to His Lordship. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father. If there's anyone here where your spirit is stirring through the priest's word, may today be the day they say, you know what, I'm done doing it my way, I'm done, ho- done hoping in things that won't last. God, today they would repent of sin, and they'd acknowledge, yes, God loved me, and He sent Jesus the Christ. And as best to understand today, I bow a knee to His Lordship. He's my boss. And as a church full of people, God, would we follow closely at His feet and the overflow of following closely, is mouths filled with praise, hearts that overflow with thanksgiving. May we of all people be a people of joy, a people of thanksgiving, a people of praise. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.